This is Person of Interest the Q102's Jeff Thomas. Lisa Rocklin is the Associate Director of Women Writing for a Change, a nonprofit here in the Tri-State that you're going to learn quite a bit about in just a few minutes. Lisa was a school teacher to thousands of kids all over the city for a long time, and helping girls cultivate their authentic selves through writing is a passion she pursues as a facilitator of teens and young women's classes through Women Writing for a Change. And I think one of the things you'll love about Lisa is that she is passionate about empowering women for change, something that is needed in our world in general. Browsing the Women Writing for a Change website, it says to bring the feminine more fully into expression by supporting the voices and stories of girls and women of all races, classes, and nations. More on that as we get into our discussion with Lisa Rocklin, this week's Person of Interest. So I can tell you that in the past, we've had discussions on the morning show about the teachers that had the biggest impact on us. Why did you become a teacher? Well, I became a teacher because my first degree in international affairs did not turn out the way I expected it to. How were you hoping that would turn out? My two passions in my childhood were learning about other cultures and writing and literature. And I thought I was going to be a diplomat. So I got a degree in international affairs, and I did not become a diplomat, but I did spend my teens and 20s traveling and living abroad. And in my 20s, after that first degree, I volunteered with a service organization that is actually celebrating its 75th anniversary, International Christian Youth Exchange. And I was assigned to Berlin, Germany, where I got to live for a year, but only because I was doing volunteer work could you stay that long. And I was working with adults at an activity center for people with mental health issues. But I also tutored kids at an after-school program in one of Berlin's neighborhoods, inner city neighborhoods. That's where I figured out that I could relate to young people kind of junior high to high school age. And when I came back from that experience, that's what made me want to go back to school to become a teacher. Did you speak German? I did not speak German uh, very well at the time, but I also lived with a family, um, went to German classes and learned a lot from German television. And I would say by five months in, I could function in the world, I could tell someone they were stepping on my foot in the subway <laughs> and order things in line at bakeries and stores. So I did feel accomplished enough that when I got my teaching certificate to teach high school English, I also was certified to teach German. And the opportunity just didn't present itself where I could do both. How many years did you teach? I was a teacher for 21 years. And what did you love about teaching? The thing that kept me invested the most was building relationships with students because young people, they need adults who will accept them for where they are in their own journey, which they often don't know where they are themselves. They don't need people to tell them where they are because they don't respond well to that. And it's not, it's easier said than done because I was not perfect at it, but they're not going to remember 
that I taught them to be more effective writers, better researchers, better listeners. They're going to remember that even though they didn't like English, they liked walking through my door every day. I think that I just think that's very intuitive to know that going in. I don't know if I realized that that's what the true enjoyment was for me, but I was ready to go back to school for social studies because, again, I love culture and history or literature. And the topic was not as critical to me as the human potential and building those. Com- those community relationships and having that safe space in the classroom. And I should clarify, when when we're talking about where they are, this is high school age, right? Right, 9th through 12th grade. Literature, so the study of literature, a lot of the canon of literature that you also need to have a strong ability to market something that teenagers are not going to want to read necessarily, But you're trying to understand the way people lived and loved in another time, which we can all relate to. Yeah. So there's a lot of selling, which doesn't mean I was successful all the time, but there's a lot of selling involved in trying to make the language and the literature of another time uh, more meaningful for young people. Those things that are timeless. Exactly. Full disclosure, our producer, Natalie Jones was one of your students. Was it maybe her 10th grade literature class? To the best of both of our memories, it was her 10th, (laughs) possibly 11th grade British literature class. Wow. Yes. And at what point did you know it was time to try something else? How long did you do that before you knew it was time for a change? I was a teacher for 21 years, and I came to teaching late because my first degree was a decision that I don't regret because it led me on a path that was one of the most amazing experiences of my life to live abroad and learn how to be and do everything for myself. But with teaching, I found increasingly that what I was giving to a profession that I loved, at the same time, I my life wasn't in balance. Mm. And the joy of teaching was being affected by being really exhausted. Yeah, that lack of balance. So I had always been a writer myself, journaling and diaries when I was a kid, Hmm. writing to pen pals in foreign countries when I was younger. There was no email then. Right. You actually had the joy of waiting for your mailbox arrivals and seeing postage from a foreign country. And I spent my teaching years grading and evaluating other people's writing. And I wanted something to dedicate my own writing into my life again. So one way that I did that was attending a sampler class at Women Writing for a Change, which is a nonprofit organization located on Plainfield Road in Silverton. And I really didn't have the time. This is the plight of adulthood. You don't have the time to take care of yourself yeah, or you don't feel that you can justify taking that time. So I would take summer courses and a weekend workshop when possible. And it was a time when you go there to write 
your goal is not necessarily to publish, although we have many self-published and traditional publishing house uh, writers, people who've published poetry, memoir, historical fiction, and other genres. And you're there to make community with other people, to share your stories, to give voice to your words, whether they're personal stories or fictional stories, and build community through writing. And that's what I was able to do when I gave myself the time. And it developed over the years. That was 13 years ago. And when I determined that I might want to make a change in my own professional life, I participated in a Conscious Feminine Leadership Academy through Women Writing for a Change. And my goal was just to get my head clear and figure out, you're 40-something, you don't know that you'll retire as a teacher, there's a lot you still want to do in the world, and you want to do work that matters, so what are you going to do? And the leadership program helped me figure out that I did need to make a change, but I did not anticipate that it would lead me directly to women writing for a change as my personal change. What is it about the process of writing that makes it so transformative? When people think about writing, I think many times it's the way people think about geometry or algebra, the periodic table. Your association with writing is based on being told you did it wrong. It's based on having to write to a prescribed prompt that is not something that you feel. So the meaning is not there. We are not an academic pedantic organization. We're an organization that makes meaning out of people's stories. And through that sharing and telling of stories, we make the community. You mentioned poetry as a form of expression. Right. You write poetry. I do write poetry. When That's did you my discover, favorite. When did you discover you had a gift for poetry? So you, you've said on the radio many times, and I think you've even interviewed a teacher or teachers who had a direct impact on your life. Yes. Who identified you as having something special that you believed, right? and it manifested itself based on that teacher. And I, I had that same, I was lucky enough to have that same experience. The teacher in my life, her name was Mrs. Patsy Cash Cole, and I had moved with my family from the Cincinnati area to Northern Virginia, and I was the new kid in sixth grade. And that wasn't too traumatic in and of itself. But at some point, we were doing some creative writing that involved writing poems to directly write on plates that would then be sent off to a company to laminate so you could give them to your mom for Mother's Day. <laughs> and you could draw on the plates as well. It was very high tech. Nice. I wrote my poem, I put it on the plate, and Mrs. Cole, who could be quite dramatic for all the right reasons, told me unequivocally, you are a poet. Mm. And I believed her. And I had been writing for myself. And just hearing that from someone lights a fire in you to some extent. 
especially if you enjoy what you're doing, but then someone recognizes you might be really good at this. Wow. And she was that spark for me. She was that rocket booster for you. Exactly. What is the most rewarding part about writing for you? What does that do for your soul? The way we approach writing at Women Writing, which is something that I felt very comfortable with and also it felt transformative for me, is expressing whatever it is that you're thinking about or issues in the world or issues in your life or a story that's unfolding with characters that you've invented. It's another way to connect with people. And in our circles, we invite people to share their writing with the rest of the writing class, not to critique, which of course you can have critique if you ask for it, but to be heard. And when people are able to share their words in a way where others are deeply listening, not listening to respond with the same situation that happened to them or with a statistic that disputes what the person is sharing from a life story, but truly listening, it changes people and it makes people feel that not only that they've been heard, but that their words matter, that their stories matter, and that their life experiences are valuable beyond living them, but also in sharing them. And I would think, too, it it fosters a sense of, I guess, community. There is something bonding about hearing someone's story. Exactly. And there, there are folks who come for many different reasons. Some people come because there's no one in their life, although they have family who loves them and they have wonderful friends, they don't have other people in their lives who also enjoy writing, who get it Yeah, the way others might have a personal interest that no one else in your family has. So in that sense, it does build community. And there are folks who come back to classes because they have met others and they understand each other. There is a bonding quality to the participation that they experience. And you hinted at how this allows, in the case of women writing for change, women to cultivate their authentic selves. Exactly. The mission of women writing for a change is to foster a space for women and girls' voices to be heard when they're often silenced. It was founded 28 years ago by Mary Pierce Brosmer, who was also a former English teacher and a practicing poet. And over those 28 years, you know, we've expanded our community. We have all gender classes and summer camps, community outreach programs that help people find that connection. It's not therapy. It's not a self-help group. It's a self-care practice. A self-care practice with a mission that goes beyond the benefit to oneself. Is there a higher purpose to women writing for change? I would say in the sense that when you have members of society who feel invisible, who don't feel that they're heard, you have a weaker society. Building a community based on people's writing and their life experiences only strengthens a community. 
the best part about coming to a class is that you're making a community every day you're there. There may be different people there, and there are definitely folks that you would not have met in any other part of your life that you now get to share this one-to-one personal connection with without feeling vulnerable or threatened, just being open to learning from each other through your writing. And knowing someone is actually listening. Exactly. We usually start every circle or class with a poem that has a theme that we then offer people writing prompts that they can choose to use to get their writing going or follow their muse and write about whatever they want because it's not prescriptive. It's not a school writing class, but it is a transformative writing class. So there are folks who just, they need that kickstart to get their writing going. So I brought a short poem that we would use in a class and also a couple of prompts that you might hear in a class. All right. All right. So this poem is called Wild Geese by Mary Oliver who just passed away last year, a well-known American poet from Ohio. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. It's Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. Mm. And then we would follow that with a few suggestions for prompts. And we call the writing time a fast write, not because you're writing as fast as you can, but you're only spending 10 minutes to help your inner critic who says you can't write or don't write that or you don't know how to spell that word, to try and stay ahead of your inner critic. So the prompts for this poem might be, what do you need to tell yourself? Write your own list of what you do not have to be. Or start with the phrase, tell me, and see where it takes you. And the third prompt, what is calling to you at this moment in your life? So we're always trying to relate the inspirational poem with things that can resonate with the members of the community to then launch that into, to spark the writer within. Immediately when I, when I hear those prompts, the message I want to say to myself is to learn to love where I am instead of thinking about the next thing or As you pointed out, be able to listen without feeling the need to respond, but sometimes just to listen. Sure. And just that starting thought that you had in the safety of your own mind with your journal could 
lead into some really powerful writing mm. that you can choose to share or just hold on to. But you walk away thinking, not necessarily soul searching, but just checking in with yourself. That's fascinating because how many times have you sat down with a friend and you have a conversation where maybe you're talking about a situation going on in your life, a problem you're trying to work out, and there's something very helpful about discussing it out loud. But mm-hmm. well, equally as effective, I think, is the ability to sit down and express that on paper. It's as if I'm putting all of these, sometimes my, my brain gets clogged. It feels like sure. there's such an overload. When I take the time to actually sit down and bullet point and start to fill in those blanks, it just becomes so much clearer to me to be able to see it in front of me. And I think because the society we live in is so hyper busy with lists and more commitments than time, everything can be swimming around and taking 10 minutes, and this is not something you have to come to class for, but of course, we'd love to see you. You can do this every morning when you get up. You can take 10 minutes and say, where am I at today? How am I feeling? What am I nervous about? What did I feel good about yesterday? Do you go back and look at your journal entries? I do. Sometimes I'm looking to see how far I've come from where I was. Not that I have made great achievements, just in the sense of I was dealing with these three life factors at that point Mm. and writing helped me process through them. And it helps me appreciate what I have learned in the meantime or what I haven't learned. And I often go back to my writing and other people's writing jotting down words or phrases that you hear in the writing circle that we would call readback lines that someone else says that just fuels you to write something completely new for yourself and you were just inspired by someone else's words. So there are a couple of reasons that it's helpful to look back at your writing. And I think we're very product-oriented and outcome-oriented in our country. Yeah. This writing doesn't have to be for an ultimate product or event. It can be for you. The writing that you do for you is enough because you're enough. So tell me about some of the events coming up this summer for Women Writing for a Change. We have a lot going on this summer. Part of that includes what we do every summer, which are summer camps. We break those into three age groups, so grades four through six grades 7 through 9, and grades 10 through 12. We have week-long camps that focus on a particular theme. And at the end of the week-long camp, family and friends are invited to a public read-around where girls who may have spoken so softly on Monday that you couldn't hear them (laughs) on Friday are standing at a podium in front of a microphone reading something they wrote that week. Wow. And I often get goosebumps seeing that evolution with with campers. It's amazing. We also have our summer core classes for adults, both women only and all gender classes. And those are in their second week this week. So you could still 
catch one of those classes and they are eight week classes. And besides what we do at Women Writing in Silverton, we also do a tremendous amount of work with outreach partners in the community. I personally am involved in our partnership with Project Connect, a social service organization that helps to look out for and provide enrichment for Cincinnati public school students who are facing or at risk for homelessness. And so I had the honor of meeting with students at Taft High School all of second semester and meeting every week in a circle and sharing a poem and writing words and sharing stories. And we are lucky to be doing that with three high schools in the Cincinnati area through Project Connect. And if someone wanted to learn more about women writing for a change, where can we send them? You could find us on Facebook, of course, and also on Instagram at Women Writing Cincy. And then our website is womenwriting.org, where you can read details about our upcoming classes and events and also register for those. Womenwriting.org. Womenwriting.org, yes. And on Instagram, at WomenWritingCincy. Exactly. Another community outreach collaboration that we are doing with arts organizations in the city is our Right Around the Corner series. And we receive financial support from ArtsWave for that, which we appreciate. Our next event is going to be July 13th at Manifest Gallery on Woodburn Avenue in Walnut Hills. And Bridget O'Kane will facilitate Kindred, Our Common Ground, where participants will view visual art at the gallery and consider how visual art communicates what cannot be said with words. And that's a two-hour writing circle that takes place from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Saturday, July 13th. And you can register at womenwriting.org for that class. Something we do annually, which is hilarious, is a special fundraising event, an evening of female comics produced by Terry Foltz. It's a lineup of amateurs with the determination of professionals. I actually attempted and was mildly successful at my first stand-up <laughs> comedy performance last summer, mostly because of material I shared about my husband. And that's it <laughs> on July 30th at Go Bananas in Montgomery. And you can get tickets for that at GoBananasComedy.com. Very nice. Well, Lisa Rockland, it's been such a pleasure to meet you. And Natalie said, I dare you to ask her where she has not run into a former student. The gynecologist's office. (laughs) It's the only place. It's the only safe haven. Probably not, now that I said that. Yeah. Lisa Rockland, it was great having you on Person of Interest. Thank you so much, Jeff. And that will wrap up this edition of Person of Interest. Until next time, I'm Jeff Thomas. Thanks for listening. These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas. (laughs) 